0: The Dawn of the Dead podcast is now part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network, so please check out the website and also all the other great podcasts that are associated with this network. On to the show. Hello again and welcome back to another episode in my Black History Horror Month series. And I really hope you guys have been liking these. I know they haven't been too long, but I wanted to try something different for Black History Month. So for this episode, I just wanted to talk about another Black Exploitation film that Rarely gets any fanfare. I don't really hear a lot of people talking about it. I don't really see a lot of people even really bringing it up. But it is the 1974 The House on Skull Mountain. And just like the other films that I talked about throughout this month, this episode is also going to be spoiler free. And this one may be a little shorter than the others that I've done so far this month, but that's okay. I always tell you it'll be a good size. You'll enjoy the size that I give you. Now, for this one, it's a a kind of a hodgepodge film for me. I do love it, and as I always say, it's not a fantastic film. Um, A lot of the black exploitation horror films are not the best ever, but I always want to talk about ones that I enjoy. So if it's an enjoyable film, then you'll probably hear it coming out of my mouth. That's just how I like to give it to you. Raw like the Wu-Tang. No, I'm just kidding. Uh so this one is gonna be spoiler free, but I will, as usual, give you a brief opening about this one just to kind of give you an overall feel of what we're looking at going into this film. Now it starts out with an elderly woman, uh, Pauline Christophe, who is pretty much, I wouldn't say knocking on death's door. She's probably got her hand on the handle about to open the door and go in. I know that sounds morbid, but she is really, really close to to meeting her maker, you know? And her doctor uh, is advising the housemaid and the butler that her demise is imminent. Like it's you know, within a matter of a few minutes, probably. While she's on her deathbed, she gives her butler, Thomas, uh, some letters. And they are addressed to her last living relatives, her great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren. I forgot how many greats were attached to Miss Kristoff's grandkids. But she wants them to come for the reading of her will because she knows she's 86 she's not going to be around when they arrive we also get to see that there's uh i guess kind of a premonition there's as always in the 70s black exploitation films or any of the 70s films that have black people there's always voodoo so this one is heavily into the voodoo do that crazy voodoo that you do so well apparently that's all we know how to do but okay I'm not gonna even go into that and and start getting on my soapbox about that. That's just gonna have to lay there. I probably will go into it a little later (laughs) if I can be honest with you. But she finally dies, and then we see that you know these letters have gone out, and the each of the great grandchildren or great great grand I'm just gonna say grandchildren because I honestly don't remember how many greats they were if they were great great or just great grandchildren so the grandkids show up and we get introduced to each of them and the very first one we see and I'm laughing because the character is just so absurd the very first one we see is uh, Philippe who is played by Mike Evans. Mike Evans is pretty famously known as uh, playing Lionel Jefferson on the 70s sitcom, The Jeffersons. He is, I don't want to say comic relief, but he really is kind of, I guess he's the, the stereotype that was going around in the 70s. You know, he's very, uh, I don't want to say jive, but that's the only thing that comes to mind. You know, he's just so outlandish and, you know, over the top he's and he's very boorish and just gross like yeah gross <laughs> and so then we also get to see uh harriet johnson who's played by uh zernona clayton and i think this is her only film credit uh to my knowledge i didn't find any other film credits for her and she's a, uh, I believe her job Prior to coming to the house, I think she was either a maid or a housekeeper or something. Um, But she's a very sweet and quiet, you know, um, just kind of almost introverted. And we also uh, get to see that they have another relative, uh, Cousin Andrew, Dr. Andrew Cunningham, who is a white guy. I mean, it happens in families you know you have a relative that you didn't expect to look as they did um so he's the (laughs) non-melanated love that term he's a not he's the uh white chocolate uh family member and he's played by victor french who a lot of you might not know, but he's been on numerous TV shows. Uh, I think he was like on Little House on the Prairie. And then there was a show in the 80s called Highway to Heaven. He was on that. And I'm saving the best for last. So we have uh, Lorena Kristoff, who is played by uh, Janie Michelle. And she is absolutely no stranger to horror films. Um, She's been in Scream, Blackula Scream, she had a small role in that, and she's in the Mephesto Waltz. When I bought this film, uh, I wanted The House on Skull Mountain, and it came as a double feature, and I was trying to figure out what the connection was for both, and it just happened to be that uh, Janie Michelle is in both, so I guess that's why they have it a double, and she's in a very small role in that movie too, so I don't know, maybe they just found two movies and smashed them together. Now, Pauline is, is dead. She died. And when we get to these characters, we get to see them. They're all making their way to the house. Uh, Dr. Andrew Cunningham, we don't really get to see him until man, I think we're like probably 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes in the movie before he shows up. But, you know, like I said, uh, each of these characters have their own little. Kind of idiosyncrasy is like Lorena is the more level-headed; she's more sophisticated. Philippe is very animated. Uh, he really is an annoying character. He's a you know brother who just wants to know when do we get into the wool reading? Like when do we get paid? You know, and he does get really handsy with with the maid, almost to a perv like a pervy level. You know, he's just very gropey. Um, with the maid and i think her name was wet um harriet johnson who's the the more soft-spoken cousin she is en route on a plane and throughout this movie we have a lot of uh scary imagery we see have a lot of skulls and premonitions and you know clearly this family has either some voodoo ties or you know the ancestral ties to seeing these kind of uh, scenes and sights and so when Harriet is on the plane she has a premonition of a hooded figure that is sitting in a couple of rows ahead of her and then he turns around and you can't really see his face but you know clearly this is like the specter of death or something and she screams and when I say she screams it is the bare basic bones of a scream. I wanna, when I see, when I hear a scream, I wanna hear a scream that makes my skin crawl. When I heard her scream, it was almost like somebody had stubbed their toe. So it always makes me laugh. (laughs) And I don't, I'm not belittling this woman's acting chops at all. Maybe she just was not a screamer, uh, which they probably should have gotten somebody who could have given a really robust and terrifying scream on this plane to like freak out all the passengers well anyway she does she still freaks out the passengers good luck screaming on a plane uh, 2024 but (laughs) you know this is 70s everybody kind of just looks at her and then I think the stewardess comes over and asks her she's okay and she says yes and you know like nothing happened and as she's en route uh Philip or Philippe and Lorena are driving on this kind of winding, twisting road to make their way to the aforementioned house on Skull Mountain. And he basically almost runs his cousin over. Now, it's funny to me because... Literally, all of these people have gotten letters to show up at a great-great-grandmother who either they didn't know about or they had never met, and they didn't even know of each other, and I always found that kind of ridiculous, and I won't get to why that's so fucking ridiculous to me. As he's almost running over Lorena on this little, very small road over cliffs, he sees a premonition of a skull. So, you know, like I said, there's lots of voodoo references in this one. You know, voodoo was a big plot for a lot of 70s films. Even a James Bond film, you know, Live and Let Die was filled with voodoo. It always makes my eyes go in the back of my head, but that's okay. I, I will enjoy it for what it is. So when we finally get around to the reading of the will, their cousin, Dr. Andrew Cunningham, I have to say that every time, he is not there. And since he's not there, the lawyer cannot read the will until the final relative shows up. And they kind of loudly protest, you know, hey, I can't stay here very long. How long do we have to wait? I've got to get back to work. You know, typical shit. We we, were here, we're invited here, but uh, I got a job, fucko, I gotta go back and pay my bills, so, cause I don't know if she's leaving me anything at all, so I gotta go, so he basically, the lawyer basically gives them the skinny and says, well, until he shows up, I'm gonna ask you to remain here at least a week, alright, and if he doesn't show up in a week, we'll conclude the will reading at that time, and it sounds pretty cut and dry, right? Um, but the thing, once again, that always cracks me up about this film is that on my mother's side, there is a huge family. My dad has a, a pretty big family. My mom's side of the family is tremendously huge. And everyone has either met each other or known each other. You know, we, we have cookouts and family reunions. And so, pretty much, you know everybody. Even if you don't spend a whole lot of time with them, you know that so-and-so is xyz son or daughter or you know this is your aunt whatever whatever these people literally had no clue that they existed none absolutely none so of course <laughs> you have to forgive my laughter of course when Dr. Cunningham shows up he is white as the purest driven snow and basically remarks that he drove down from Maine and he had a little trouble finding the house. Really? You had a little trouble finding the house? There was a scene earlier um, when they were driving up to the house where Lorena pulls her car over and she can see the road going up to the house. And the house literally is a matte painting, but it's a house on top of a mountain with a gigantic fucking skull carved in the side of the mountain sir you had trouble finding that house the house with a huge skull couldn't miss it could see it from miles away but okay i'm gonna let it go so philippe is uh kind of really defensive as to how this guy is related to them and even goes so far as to ask who let the honky in the wood pile as a kid, that totally went over my head. I didn't know what hunky meant. I didn't know what he meant by woodpile. When I got older, I was like, "Oh shit, that's pretty fucked up." But it's understandable he would have questions. I would be more, I would be questioning, "How do I not know any of these people that I'm allegedly related to?" That's that would be my. How are we related again? Who's your mother? How come I've never met? <laughs> you know, those those are the questions that pop into my mind. You know, so we find out that the good doctor is an anthropologist. And actually, he is probably more knowledgeable on the nature of voodoo than anybody sitting at this table. Sorry, my voice cracked a little bit because I was trying not to, to laugh again. So he is the most knowledgeable person. And it does stick in my craw when voodoo is brought up because Lorena herself states that Pauline was Catholic. And then we have Andrew having to mansplain, or in this case whitesplain, about just because she was Catholic, it doesn't rule out voodoo, and then he starts giving a whole explanation of it. And I know he is there to be an ally in the film, but he is the only reason it is not an entirely all-black cast. And Some moments with him just seem unnecessary. I don't know whether he was there just to make white people comfortable with going to see a movie that had a predominantly black cast. I don't think that that was the case. I don't know what the reasoning was. However, get off that soapbox because I will go off. His character is literally there just to be a literal white knight. I mean, he actually serves no purpose other than to be there to rescue Lorena. And we get a lot of scenes of characters having premonitions. Um, We get, you know, a lot of voodoo spells that we see being cast. Um, One of the family members very early in the film perishes in a freak accident. And... We get to see our two main leads, uh, Lorena, who's played by um, Janie Michelle, and Andrew, played by Victor French. We see them kind of going out on the town in the streets of Atlanta and sightseeing, and it's almost like a quasi incestuous type of dating like literally we're waiting on the will reading and somebody has died in the house and not too long after this family member perishes in the house you two are out here dating bro what the actual fuck is going on i cannot break this film down it really is one you have to watch and it sounds like i'm belittling the movie or being kind of defensive but i'm not there are certain things that are just absurd there are movies that i watch even now that I'm like, what the fuck? Why are we doing this? I'm curious as to who the audience this, this was you know, like catered to. Clearly Black people. I get that part. <laughs> but Were they also trying to entice white audiences to watch this film? Because I don't think a lot of it would really uh, translate or would even register them to care about what's going on. And it seems like it takes fucking forever to get to the actual will. I'm really sitting here thinking about it. I don't think they ever got to the will. I think it just played out and they kind of mentioned it. So even though I'm kind of dashing a little bit about this film, I still feel like it's one that deserves a watch from you. Um, Even though I'm not breaking it down, it, it really comes across like, and I hate saying this, But it's like a black version of House on Haunted Hill. You know, you've got a group of people that don't really know each other and they're all invited to this house and then some weird fucking shit happens, you know. But it's also mixed with uh, the old dark house. If you've ever seen that older horror film, same premise. You've got strangers in a house and there are secret passageways and there are like, you know, hidden rooms and Maybe just a dash of happy birthday to me. I I always put this in the category uh, that me and my good friend on Instagram, uh, Willie, we call these the Scooby Doo horror films because there are horror elements in this, you know, especially when we see the skull premonitions and then, you know, for the most part, the the voodoo aspect. And uh, there are, you know, zombies or a person that's resurrected. But for the most part, it plays like a horror whodunit. It's really more of like a mystery. And then you're just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and why are they doing this? Now, the two main characters, uh, Janie, Michelle and Victor French, clearly they're bringing their A game. And, and the other characters are well, they're they're acting very well with what they have. I do enjoy the two main character performances a lot. And the character Lorena, she also just has one of the best wardrobes in horror that I've ever seen. Like everything she wears from her daywear to her nighttime gown. I mean, everything just looks really gorgeous on her. Plus, she's just a stunning woman. I mean, she truly is a, another one of these Black actresses that I always feel should have been a bigger star. But for whatever reason, she just had these bit parts here and there. Uh, you know, she has classic Hollywood features and Really beautiful eyes, and you know, she has a very captivating presence. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe these black exploitation movies just didn't know how to elevate these types of actresses, and black actresses really weren't getting elevated that much, unless you were somebody like, I don't know, Diane Carroll or Diana Ross when she started, you know, her foray into acting. You didn't really see a whole lot of really prominent black actresses despite them having gorgeous features and being able to carry and and you know being able to carry and and dish out these scenes even in a movie as kind of trite as this i mean the dialogue is hokey it is i will not even try to defend that there are a lot of flaws in this film But it still really is a very enjoyable black exploitation horror film, even in the most absurd moments. And there are a fucking lot of those in this one. I find even watching it on a mystery science theater level, I still would fuck with this movie. I still enjoy watching it. I think a big part of it is her. It's it's, big part of it is Janie Michelle, but it's. Still a lot of fun, even when you figure out what's going on and, and you kind of get to the climax of the film, it still still kind of slaps, I'm not gonna lie to you. Now, is it the best black exploitation horror film? Fuck no. Is it hokey? Fuck yes. But is it worth a watch? Absolutely. Now I am usually the biggest naysayer when it comes to remakes however i'm gonna go back on my shit right now so buckle in i really feel like this could stand to have a really good upgrade we could make the characters more fleshed out we could see them in their own individual areas and then bring them together maybe have them know each other a little bit like you know remember them when they were kids or something take out the quasi (laughs) semi-incestuous <laughs> plot line because we do find out. I'll just go ahead and give this point. We do find out that he is actually related to them. He is actually part of their family. Um, and I think the only other thing I would do if this were to get a remake would be to add more blood and gore, which is something this film really is lacking. Even on the more violent moments, we really don't see anything. And I feel like this is something you could watch with a kid because the incestuous, and I mean, it was mildly implied. Um, that that part isn't even a big deal. Um, you know, the scenes when they go to Atlanta and they're doing their sightseeing, traveling, dating, whatever for the day. I actually enjoyed that. I wish they had, you know, shown a little bit more of Atlanta because they did film this in Atlanta. And I think I would just, If I were to remake this, or if this was to get an upgrade, have a lot more blood and gore. Uh, Janie Michelle, like I said, is a huge selling point for me in this one. The setting of the house with all of the secret passageways and creepy settings. And at some point we have like an actual voodoo lair, which is, how the fuck do you not hear? (laughs) Sorry, y'all. How the fuck do you not hear voodoo drums? Unless you have like the best, foundation and you know soundproofing of a of a cellar. How the fuck do you not hear that? Literally, I, I don't understand. However, that'd be a great place to sleep. If you don't hear anything, I, I would I would move in that in a quick heartbeat. So I wake up at every little creak, I'll be honest with you guys. Um yeah the house is probably one of my favorite settings of a, of a spooky house and I did touch on the house on Skull Mountain uh when I did an episode oh, a couple years back called Our House and I was just talking about creepy houses and haunted houses and yeah once again this is more like a Scooby-Doo It kind of horror film but <laughs> the house uh is really still in Atlanta it's called the uh Callenwald Fine Arts Center, and they actually put on a lot of events and people have a lot of weddings that take place there. I really need to go visit this place. Uh, My Instagram friend, Shameful Clutter, too, and I, we probably need to make a road trip to this place because we've bonded over our love for Janie Michelle. And... uh, I think I think a road trip might be necessary because <laughs> I just want to go even if I could just go and maybe recreate one of her outfits to take pictures there I think I would have a lot of fun and I mean Atlanta's only maybe three hours away from me so I don't know what the fuck I'm waiting for I should have already had this horror road trip going there so that's it for the house on Skull Mountain. I know this one was mega short, but really there's not a lot that I could say about it that wouldn't spoil it, spoil it for you. Once again, it's not the best black exploitation horror film, but I still wanted to talk about it a little bit more than I did on the, my Our House episode because it is nice to see a predominantly black cast and, you know, for whatever reason, they, they, wanted to make certainly stick one white guy in there just in case i guess so you could not feel completely alienated at so many brown faces but i mean that's the whole point of blaxploitation like a movie made about black people but i think that's it that's all i have for this one sorry it's super short but i don't know if i have anything else to say about this one so I really hope that you guys give this one a whirl, if for nothing else, but to experience one of the lesser talked about black blaxploitation horror classics. And that's just in my humble horror nerd opinion. Um, you could watch it and be like, this is dog shit. And I'm not going to argue with you. It's not the best. However, it is enjoyable. So my only rant, I guess, for this week is if you have a relative that kicks it and uh, you get an invitation to their house. And there are folks that you are related to, but you've never seen or heard about them. And you're like, run, run, motherfucker, run, because something funky is going on. I mean, (laughs) kidding, kidding. I am kidding. I mean, you might want to stick around. There might be some money or a house, you know, left to you. You You don't know. You don't ask, you don't know. As always, I hope you guys are thriving and surviving. I felt like I didn't say that last episode. I didn't ask if you were thriving and surviving. So please make certain to thrive and survive. Um, and I've only got one more week of Black Aura history episodes left. So, so keep your eyes peeled because I may ask in the Instaverse instagram universe uh maybe it'll be a question on who are your favorite black horror movie survivors i have not had a chance to talk about survivors black horror survivors so that might be what i do for the last episode don't don't quote me on it i'm a fickle person i'm a fickle mistress so i might I might just do a Russian roulette and pick something out of a hat because I do have a lot of movies that I wanted to talk about. But, you know, once again, Black History Month is so fucking short. And I don't know. Let me know, as always, what you think about this episode. Let me know what you think about this podcast. If you have seen The House on Skull Mountain, let me know what you think about that. I definitely, um, I'm having a lot of fun doing these just because I'm trying to pick the ones that people don't really talk about or that I don't see a whole lot of love about but hopefully um you've been enjoying them and I don't know I, I think that's it and this one was super short like I said the movie is so it's so fast it goes by really fast and I didn't want to spoil it so that I didn't have a whole lot to bring to the table other than my Huge crush on on Janie, Michelle. So that's pretty much it. And, you know, that she's gorgeous and she should have been a bigger star. That was it. That's, That's all I can say. I crushed too many people, but you guys already know that. So I guess I should just leave you guys with, until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you then. Bye.